Hello and welcome to the very first episode of the Gestalten Podcast in 2021. And I hope you had a, a lovely Christmas break or wherever you listen to us from where we didn't celebrate the holidays. I hope you had a nice time in between the change of the year. And first and foremost, I hope you're all sound and safe with this pandemic going on worldwide, in particular here in Europe. So um, be safe and uh, stay healthy, everyone. And to kick off 2021, I've invited uh, Ray Ng, who some of you might probably know. He is a creative director and design strategist, and was the former head advisor to the Hyundai Group president, Peter Schreier. So they have worked a lot on design strategy together. They have worked on branding for the, uh, for, for the Hyundai Group. And in particular, they have worked on the uh, Kia project that was very recently believe, uh, released when it came to a new logo brand strategy and everything that is involved in that so uh, ray gave us a little bit of an insight on how that went down he also gave us a little bit of an insight what he thinks design strategy is all about and which kind of direction it goes and how important it is for the normal kind of transportation designer to be aware of what's happening over there and uh, you know pick up a couple of things from design strategy and uh, how important it will be in the future. So I hope you will enjoy the conversation I had with Ray. He is a absolutely lovely chap. We will, as always, link his credentials on LinkedIn on the show notes for the podcast. But without further ado, Happy New Year and let's go with Gestalten 21. Hello, Ray. Welcome to the Gestalten Podcast. And uh, from a very cold Munich, a very warm hello to you in California. How are you? Good, good. Nice to, nice to talk to you, Martin. Thanks for having me. Lovely. Yes, we, we were actually quite excited uh, together to do this because we, we had quite a few conversations over the past months or so. And uh, they were supposed to always be like a half an hour and then they took for an hour or even more <laughs> sometimes. So I think we're going to have quite a lot of stuff to talk about. But in particular, what we want to do today uh, is to talk about what I would probably call your forte, which is about strategy in design. And uh, you have obviously had quite a bit of experience. You've worked for brands such as GM. You worked for Kia. You had uh, within Kia and the Hyundai Group collaboration with Peter Schreier that we will talk about a little bit later on um, already. But first things first, before we jump into everything, what, how would you define design strategy, either if you want to in a general context or even in an automotive context? Well, I think really strategy comes down to that definition. Um, coming from a background of design myself, being an exterior designer, um, the more you think is the more you become uh, strategic. Um, so not just looking at the creative part of design, but really looking at... Um, why you're doing the things that you're doing. So really strategy is the plan or the action uh, to achieve a particular goal or an objective. So design is um, one element to uh, create something, but how would you use design in a more strategic way? That's always been a question that I've um, been interested in answering. You've started obviously your career. You were very early involved in the topic of design strategy, despite you know, or not despite, but on on top of that, you're also an exterior designer. Did you, in the course of your career, have the feeling that strategic thinking, in particular in exterior design, but let's say also in general in the um, in in the design department, has changed, or that the acknowledgement of it has changed? Because of course, you know. Uh, it depends on each company, but this kind of idea of design strategy doesn't necessarily need to be in the design department. It can be somewhere else, can be its own department, can be in marketing or what all these kind of things are involved. How how has this changed over the past, let's say, 10, 15 years, for you, or at least from your experience? Well, I just want to start by basically saying uh, I first got interested in strategy um, working at GM because you look at um, design from a product standpoint. You're creating all these different designs and a lot of the decisions around design are made subjectively. So 
um, the brand is the next level up from the product. So you really look at what the brand could be and what the brand should be. And you shape that through the products that you're designing. So um, the first part of uh, thinking about strategy really came down to is what we're designing appropriate for the brand? I mean, at the baseline, that is where you start thinking about um, the styling decisions and the design decisions that you're making on the model. Um, but that is probably the, the most entry level um, approach to strategy is thinking about the brand and how your products that you're designing relate to the brand and the customer. Who is involved in this kind of development? I mean, you know, you you obviously mentioned just now that the the product is can be a part of it, but it's like a very entry level part. But um, at least from my experience, talking about design strategy involves a lot of other players as well. So, who actually leads this kind of strategic approach? Does it come out of uh, out of the design department? Does it come out of other departments and they include you into that? Or how do we have to imagine a process like this starts? I think what happens in the design studios is that we are more and more influenced by the work of different designers around the world. And now that you have sketches online everywhere, um, you tend to start to see the same type of styling elements, the same types of design cues through this kind of globalization of design trends. And uh, you have to step back and ask yourself if this is, um, you know, right for the brand or if this is uh, a great expression of, you know, the brand values that you're trying to uh, convey. And when you are in a group that has multiple brands and you can see across brands, um, you really start to uh, have to think about, you know, clarity and uh, setting kind of some guidelines for uh, design. Um, otherwise, you're going to have a lot of, um, I guess, overlap in uh, similar design elements and, and whatnot. So um, it's kind of really important to take a look at, uh, you know, styling as an expression of the brand, but got to look beyond that because the marketing teams and the planning teams, they don't know as much about design and styling. So they follow the trends and it's up to the design team to set those trends um, and those unique design signifiers for the particular brand that they're working on. And I think there needs to be an, another level of, um, you know, self-editing when it comes to setting the tone for the design direction of that particular brand that you're working on. Do you think that's a problem in terms of the the design management of understanding how important the strategic approach to it is? I mean, you know, if we look into brands such as Polestar, where, you know, even the CEO is a designer, you can clearly see there's this understanding of how the creative process shows the importance of the brand itself. Yeah. Um, do, do you think this is possible in any company in the world? Or do you think certain kind of requirements either from the, the, the design department need to be taken beforehand or maybe even from other departments to make this actually a successful direction? Well, I would say that um, you have to kind of work together. I think really um, the, the current, the function of design is to really create um, the, the products that will be manufactured. Uh, you have to work with brand and marketing to understand who the customer is, and then therefore you can design for them. Um, but too often, I believe that in design, there's a state of kind of ambiguity because we're always living in the future. Uh, there's this kind of subjective decision-making that I think designers, um, we you know, like to be creative, like to explore. But uh, with that, there is sometimes a lack of a clear design vision or a lack of a, um, for a better word, discipline in, um, you know, setting that direction because you are being uh, overly, um, I guess, competitive in, in getting your designs picked and, and, um, and whatnot. So I think a lot of that is first setting what the goal is and what the design vision is, and that should be aligned with the brand. So when you do have designers sitting closely with brand and marketing, such as a Polestar, such as a Volvo, um, you're able to kind of have a more uh, holistic approach to um, creative direction. So therefore, your teams can be you know, much more focused in their creative exploration. 
let me ask you this. You obviously have a very special background because you've moved from very traditional exterior design more and more into strategic design. Do you think that maybe even going back as far as to the universities, I mean, you went to art center, so let's take that as an example, but we can also do the RCA, we can do Pforzheim, whichever you want, um, and make a strategic thinking or the understanding of how, how design strategy works part of this educational system to increase the importance later on? Or do you think that comes naturally with the people? Some people just want to go into that kind of direction and some people just, you know, don't care and not made for it. I think there should definitely be different levels of a strategy. And strategy can be defined as, I guess, uh, critical thinking when you're at the student level. And that means something different for creatives and for design leaders. But really, um, the first thing is thinking about uh, your audience. You're always designing for someone. Uh, whether that's a human user or a customer, we use those words interchangeably. But at the end of the day, someone has to purchase that product and, and uh, you need to appeal to them. Um, and partly we tend to rely on gut instinct and on passion and, and reaching out to the customer through emotive uh, ways. Um, but I think des as designers, we have to think beyond just the emotional. What are Uh, the practical ways, what are functional ways that we can um, really um, attract designers. So that starts at the university level where you're thinking about who you're designing for and the storytelling behind it, the con concept boards beyond just uh, using words such as, you know, aggressive and sporty. You really have to think about what you're trying to um, appeal to the customer through. If we look into this development that, What what you described as well, of course, with you know the, the there's room to, of improvement for the students and um, the way the students can move towards into these new functions. How do you think the position of a designer within let's call it the mobility world is when you have a very complex product that is um, connected to a lot of just regulations, putting it that way. Um, do, you, do you think that we will still have these kind of traditional exterior designers and maybe more people focused on strategic design or will it actually become more like industrial design or like product design where the creative behind the product is actually much more than just, you know, uh, a sketch of one exterior or for an interior or something like that. Um, but everything comes much closer connected to each other. Yeah, I think there's always going to be this element of the physical emotive design and styling um, created to shape the products. But if you look at what design is doing right now, it really needs to um, move along and transform just like the industry is. We're thinking about uh, providing the design of a vehicle as a product, um, but the, the world of mobility is actually changing. It's it's uh, providing value for the customer and the, value and the way customers are moving around isn't necessarily going to be in products. Um, so I think, That designer skill set is very valuable, but you have to think beyond just the product. So you do need to have your traditional product um, hardware design function. But beyond that, you should have a team of designers really focused on designing for the service and the experience that customers will be using in the future, um, because that's going to be a different approach. But they should be working together. Um, with the, like the product design and you have experience design. And I'm not talking about experience design being UX and uh, UX has a very narrow definition right now in automotive, which means, you know, what shows up on the screen. But really, if you think about the, the customer experience, it's, it's beyond just what shows up in the screen. It's the screen. It's the app. It's the owner's app. It's going to be uh, the interaction with the dealership um, when you're purchasing the vehicle, when you're using the vehicle. All these other touch points, um, I think designers can really have a lot of impact and in influencing how those experiences are created beyond just the physical product that you see and buy at the dealership. It does. How do you think this impact that you just mentioned? Because I agree 100% that you know we're focusing too much on what happens on the screen at the moment rather than thinking about the entire context of an of an experience. 
how much impact does marketing have on that one? Because, you know, a lot of people that I speak to, they tell me it's like, oh, marketing is so strong. They give us these kind of directions and all these kind of things. What can a creative department, and for me, that is the, let's say, old world where the product is being developed as well as the new world where we talk about this experience and creating this experience is um, is capable of maybe challenging marketing a little bit more uh, or maybe even, you know, becoming almost one and really creating the best possible experience and not just having, you know, uh, one department here, another department here, another department there, and then only at the end being, things are being put together. I mean, I would say really that um, we're talking about the same things here. We just look at it differently with the marketing teams. Um, inherently, we want to be creative and we want to reach the customer. So to marketing departments, it's about the customer and CX, the customer experience. And in the design department, it's about the user and the user experience. But at the end of the day, you're still talking about the human being that you're trying to target to purchase your product or your service. So um, you really got to... Think about how you're going to work together to create the most, um, I guess, coherent and holistic experience. So, you know, one example of this is, uh, working closely, you know, when I was at Kia, uh, working closely together with the brand strategy and marketing departments to, um, redefine the entire Kia brand. And as you saw, the, um, there's a new, uh, rebranding done and the new logo. And a lot of that work came as a result of a collaboration. We could not have done it ourselves in design um, because we're just creating shapes at the end of the day. Um, so we can't do that in marketing alone because they don't have the creative uh, visual design skills. They think more in terms of campaigns and in advertising and uh, marketing strategy. Um, so it really comes down to building those bridges and using those connections to redefine a brand and you look at everything from what's the mission what's the vision of the brand and then you can set the strategy to get there so marketing will focus on you know the customer aspect but uh, what design can bring is really uh, create a voice to how to capture that that uh, customer's attention um, and how to design for experiences and really provide a i guess i would call it a creative service um, ahead of the uh, advertising ahead of all these other um, touch points that the customer will will have. Design should have a voice in that, but you got to work together collaboratively with marketing. Very interesting. Um, when we talk a little bit more in, de in depth about Kia and this kind of rebranding itself, um, if you can give us a little bit more insight. So, what what, what was the creative team? I mean, uh, you worked with Peter Schreier. Was was he involved in this? Was this a uh, was this just based while you were in Germany? Was this while you were in the US? Was this uh, a collaboration of different kind of locations worldwide? Um, so how how do we have to understand this from from a design department's perspective? And then on top of that, how important is the design management leadership to make something like this work, especially with marketing, because I can imagine the budget for something like this is absolutely massive. This is a massive change that goes out to, you know, not just everything that is online, which is relatively cheap then to change, but also to the dealers, the logos on the cars and so on and so on. So how important is on top of than that, the, the leadership of the right people to actually make this work and to have design really as an equal partner in this kind of decision-making? Well, this really started years ago when Peter was promoted to take over uh, not just Kia, but Hyundai, Kia, and Genesis um, as a group design head. So part of this challenge was to create differentiation, um, not just through styling the sheet metal, but really what is the brand differentiation going to look like? Because, um, you know, product is very visible um, a manifestation of the design values and, and the, the brand values. Um, so really starting from that, we had to be really clear in the words we would use to describe the brand and what we would like to achieve with the design philosophy for each brand. So, um, obviously, you know, there's always, uh, new design leaders coming in and, um, Hyundai set its direction and went with, um, sensuous sportiness and for Kia, uh, there was a time for redefinition and always, um, design was known for 
the tiger nose grill and simplicity of the straight line and some of these um, philosophies are kind of acted as uh, just the overriding like the creative vision but um, the work behind that was really looking at um, being descriptive of what the Kia brand what the persona of the brand is and we always thought Kia was the youthful challenger, um, a more youthful brand, and the customer base would also be more youthful. Uh, versus Hyundai, which is um, charismatic leader, something that's a, a bit more caring, a bit more confident, and in a more mature way. So, um, really looking at Kia, when the marketing departments see the uh, you know design philosophy work that we worked on, is really. Um, struck a chord because we're being descriptive about the customer. We're being descriptive about the brand using adjectives to um, really paint the picture of the experiences and the products that um, the brand should be building. And along with that, kind of creating, um, imagining touch points of the brand, including a new logo, including, um, you know, what the spaces could feel like, including you know, what the marketing copy could look like to really be descriptive of the brand. So it was a very interesting uh, exercise. And once marketing got a hold of that, we worked collaboratively to really um, redefine the creative side of the strategy. Um, and that was like a big win for the design department. So obviously you have people focused on designing the products and we were able to test the new logo on some show cars like the um, the Kia Imagine concept and the Kia Futuron concept. And that was kind of a strategic approach to um, get a new logo appro- um, approved. I mean, we've always sketched new logos. We always wanted to replace it. But um, if it's not part of the greater strategy, then it's never going to work. But this time in particular, we were able to tell the entire story completely and, you know, reimagine the brand and um, put a creative strategy that would go along with the brand strategy. And now Karim has done a great job of really take, uh, you know, taking over and really evolving this uh, design philosophy further that uh, you'll see that coming up shortly. How important is when you do a project like that, the, the general design leadership and for you as being part of this project, what is it that you've learned the most from the people that you've worked with marketing design, whoever it might be uh, that you can say now in retrospect, this was, this was a successful project. I think it's really helping other business functions understand the value that design can bring to the table. So as kind of like um, the main function of design in automotive is to produce design. Um, and the next level is really kind of acting as a creative service and a connector. So um, providing creative direction for branding, communications, and experience. Um, so I think really uh, the biggest win is showing the other departments what design can bring to the table. You know, our you know, customer-centric voice, how we approach creativity and how we're much more right-brained and imaginative and we can um, create with like big picture, long-term thinking and not just, you know, looking at today. So I think really providing a creative service and and support for other departments was a, a big win for Design Center. How How is it different? Because you've worked for GM um, also in terms of design strategy, and you worked for the Hyundai Group, which is, of course, a Korean company. How how big of an of a, of a difference is this to work for a different kind of culture, to create a design strategy and to create a, a design culture and the strategy that comes with that? Is it is it fundamentally different based on where the the headquarter of the company is, or would you say if we break it down? It's the same no matter where you are in the world. Well, it's the same no matter where you are in the world. But I think what um, differs is the the company that you're at, uh, what the company is capable of and what they're trying to achieve. So, um, you know, there's a lot of disruptions at play right now. If you think about the automotive world, um, we are building things 
uh, building cars, building products at scale and manufacturing to be sold at dealerships. Um, but the business model is changing from uh, uh, building things to providing services and uh, owning things to sharing things. So there's a lot of things happening right now. So I think design really needs to uh, step up and, and, and help shape the future for whatever company they're, they're at. Uh, I, I use this analogy before, but really I think about what's happening right now in automotive is that, um, we're all designing, uh, you know, Motorola razor phones, with, you know, new shape of buttons, new, new finishes, new, uh, uh, new features and functions that are physical. And no one saw the iPhone coming, which completely changed the experience. But that iPhone was designed. It came from, you know, looking further ahead and really thinking about the experience uh, that would be compelling for a user. They may not know what they want, but it was it presented a compelling experience, and it went beyond just shapes of buttons and shapes of uh, finishes on the phone. Um, so I think we really need a fundamental shift in thinking, um, and I think designers need to kind of set up a separate advanced design thinking studio or a function to be able to, to anticipate those future changes is, is this kind of i mean like if we if we look into this analogy that you brought in with um the razor versus the iphone there is of course this you know charismatic leader and back then it was steve jobs of course with 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 a designer or elite designer um jonathan ive where they 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 really pushed boundaries together so it's it it was really a team effort plus engineering plus you know marketing and everybody was involved so it seemed that this was really a push of a lot of people to to bring something to life but also looking into similar what what always is being criticized is the car industry doesn't really look far far outside yeah with everything and do do you think that the designers are actually mostly aware of these disruptions in experiences yeah so like the switch from a hotel to airbnb for example or from blockbuster video all the way to netflix this is a very simple example but are they actually aware of the consequences what that means or do you think that it's almost it's it's being recognized but it's not necessarily dealt with in a strategic sense to understand what we can do Oh, I think it's definitely um, aware. I think designers are living in the future, so we are aware of what is on the horizon. But um, I think that uh, it's not really dealt with. There isn't as much emphasis on um, the future thinking beyond just thinking about future products. Um, you look at what how Apple created the you know iPod and the iPhone. They weren't thinking about a product. They were thinking about the experience, how you could experience music in the palm of your hand in the future. They were not looking at creating a music player necessarily, but creating a way for uh, people to experience music. And and that's that's the way that I think um, car design studios should be looking at the future, is really thinking about what the future experience is going to be like, because customer behaviors, commuter behaviors, and, and, and um, expectations are changing and you know the values of sustainability and um the, the market is changing into uh, mobility as a service and not just and not just purchasing so uh, a vehicle to own so you got you really got to assign designers to tackle these wicked problems when we take this thought a little bit further i mean like i remember back the the ipod came out and the really big revolution behind it actually was iTunes. Yeah, because uh iTunes gave you the opportunity to buy just one single song of an album. You didn't even have to buy the or the entire album anymore. You can build your own albums um in in the entire context. Do you in, in terms of a strategy, I mean this is sometimes very difficult to plan that something like this works, you know, but do we do we do we have to start thinking about that we have to fundamentally change a design department and you know if we look back into like some older podcasts that we did we talked about the CXO position and 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 and, and similar kind of ideas do you think that something like this actually needs to happen to make it a successful to get away from 
uh, and I don't mean this in a bad way, only building vehicles uh, or only designing vehicles to actually design the experience that we have to understand that it's it's maybe only a carrier, but what what carries the whole thing is uh, is something completely different and maybe is not the the important thing is not the product. Well, I think you need to have a two pronged approach. You definitely need um, designers to to do the job of designing future products. But I think it is to design's advantage to set up a department or a function to really think about future experience. Um, if you look at what technology innovation are doing, there's so much happening right now. There's a new paradigm between humans and technology happening with interactions, with um, AI, with robotics, with machine learning. And yet um, we are not exploring the possibilities there. So I think there's a lot of designers that, you know, we have the right mindset and the right mental tools to explore, but we don't have the remit to do that. So if you do have an advanced design department, I think it should move beyond concept cars and actually do concept thinking. Um, and basically you'd have to have free reign to, to define what the future experience is like for that customer of that brand. Because uh, designers, you don't think of technical possibilities. Uh, like you don't look at tech and say, "Oh, we can add this feature, we can add this function." And but you, but what we can think about is what that new technology can afford the human experience. So I think we're great at understanding what is emotional. So how can you take the technology that's coming in the future and create experiences that people would actually want? Um, now that we have these mobile lounges or these uh, pods on wheels, um, you know, now that, you know, customers in the autonomous future are going to uh, be, you know, laying down or sitting on this lounge, what are people going to be doing with that time? The free time that you have um, besides, you know, swiveling seats. Um, I think that's a great space right there is for design center to think about what that future experience is going to look like and feel like beyond just you know lounge on wheels um i think that is um the next type of frontier that designers should be focusing on so when we take this idea a little bit further of course what do you think needs to change to actually get there is it is it a, a fundamental thought process shift that needs to happen within design management in general is it or is it something completely different is it is it just something that just needs to be done or is it maybe something that cannot like like if, if, if we're really pushing maybe even cannot be done within a large corporation but needs to be done outside of this this can be with suppliers and can be with uh you know uh, an external studio and all these kind of things how how do you think it would be possible to get to what you just described? I think right now a lot of design organizations are set up to manage the output and manage the work of design and not really uh, set up to lead design into the future as a strategic partner for the business side of things. So um, you have to be realistic and really look at your own situation. Each company is going to be different. Um, but really seeing what the expectation is on design and what type of resources you have. But I believe that you really have to um, be intentional about what problems you want design to solve. If you're merely making vehicles, that's um, you're a service provider. But if you want design to have an expanded role, then you're going to have to look beyond that. And I think Part of that is really looking at the state of the business and what the expectation of top management is for design. Um, there's, I think, a lot of different things that designers can can do with the creativity and the way we work. But you have to ask yourself, I think design leaders need to ask themselves what they would like to achieve and what the expectation is from the actual company. So defining the future role of design, um, aside from vehicles and products, you really got to think about what you want to achieve and what you're able to achieve and, and put together a plan from there. Which also then, of course, means if, if we go that far in the process, that design management itself needs to be much more knowledgeable of what happens around them and not just about uh, a shape. 
in the end i think you know it needs it needs to go into a direction of understanding okay what is experience what is the business cases it's it's almost you know creativity is one part of it but it's almost like a 50 50 split of you know what is what is the business side what is it that you know my bosses think think about and how can we take their kind of ideas or their kind of thought process um, and combine it with the skills that we have because in the end you know the creativity means that you have something that is in your head but you can also communicate it visually so that people who cannot think like you do understand what you want to talk about and i think this can be portrayed in not just you know a product a product but it can be you know a business solution it can be you know an experience solution everything that comes with it and i have i see just so much potential in what you just mentioned as well because you know it's not just about one thing it's about it's becoming so complex nowadays that um you know we almost have to you know get the designers much more involved intellectually to understand where the where the product fits in but uh, i still believe that you know some some companies will probably just say you know design department please please do the product for us yeah i think that's um that's totally fair but like you said before just getting designers um i think what we need to do really is expand that definition of uh, what type of designers you're bringing on um whether they're experienced designers or you know we're masters of kind of this physical world but um designing for services and experiences it's not it's beyond just what's physical so i think really bringing on design researchers um looking at data uh, bringing on visual designers and different types of um digital designers as well really you want to be able to um focus on the customer and i think we understand customers and humans human behavior in a very emotional way um more than any other department in a, in an automotive company but really how can we reach those customers and reach those people i think you need a different skill sets of designers because right now you have uh you know you have the traditional exterior studio you have exterior designers interior designers uh cmf designers and you know, some UX designers, but they're pretty focused in, you know, creating a bunch of ideas and then executing them. Um, but I think there could be a lot more kind of specialized roles that, um, bringing in different skill sets, um, that are design centric to create and work together in defining concepts for the future, whether they're products or services. Do you I mean this is this is the, the the really interesting thing because what that means and you know historically speaking a little bit looking 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 back, this new world of digitalization is relatively recent that it made an appearance within this kind of transportation world, of course. And um a lot of design leaders right now, they grew up in a very analog world, which is nothing that we in any kind of way uh, see as a negative thing because it's the evolution of life and you know the evolution of um, of the technology uh, that happens but what you've just described does it maybe take a little bit longer within the car industry because a the development process of a, of a vehicle is relatively long because of its complexity but also of course because we're we're moving so fast when it comes to technology is that you know, every year that you kind of missed in it where you've not a digital native, it's becoming more and more difficult to understand it. And I mean, like, you know, it's even for me, I'm, I would probably say I'm very close to a digital native. Like, you know, I grew up obviously with the internet and everything, but, uh, you know, even I understand that there are certain things right now that I just don't understand anymore. Or, you know, maybe I don't even want to say I'm too old, but do you think that to have this kind of new complex design department, which is more analog and digital together combined um, will will only happen once you have management positions that are covered by people that grew up on a digital native um, kind of generation to actually understand how important it is to come together? Well, I think this is uh, definitely an important imperative for Design Center to realize um, this change and, and hire for that type of transformation. Um, because if you don't, uh, design center is still creating products. You have to you know, stay relevant for the future. Um, you know, I would say that, you know, knowing this, it's time to bring on 
you know, a, a design experience department. Um, it's time to bring on a CXO before marketing does. Um, it's time to understand uh, what the customer wants and what design center should be doing. And that is a real challenge, I think, for a lot of uh, design departments. They have to self-reflect and see what role they want to be able to play in the future of the company. Uh, because at the end of the day, if you have, you know, this round of consolidation that's going to happen in automotive as, um, you know, transportation becomes a commodity. Yes, people are still buying cars, but, you know, are there certain brands that if they just disappeared, it, you know, would you miss them? I mean, at a certain point, there's, you know, there's going to be a, um, a reduction in the amount of vehicles that are produced because simply, you know, um, purchasing behavior is changing. If people just want to be connected, they don't necessarily want to own something with it. Um, so you, it's up to design to really help, um, stay, keep the company relevant. So as people look at uh, transportation, they're going to look at how much is this cost? Is this convenience? And the only other thing that they're really looking at, does this offer me a compelling experience? And right now, uh, we can do that through um, designing products. We can do that through designing experiences. Um, but in the future, can we depend on just, you know, new and different shapes of products um, to be compelling enough for uh, the customer to consider a certain brand? Um, I think we have to do some self-reflection there and see where else uh, we should be playing as designers. I, I 100% agree. And I think, you know, we there's just an understanding needed is that certain brands um, have, let's say, a higher credibility and therefore can live based on their image or reputation for longer than maybe others. Yeah, I think if you if you look at somebody like Porsche or Ferrari, uh, their, their time that's being given to them, even if they have a few bad products and stuff like that, would be uh would be a little bit longer whereas if you maybe have companies that don't necessarily have that kind of brand image but stand for something else maybe for price or you know whatever you think might have a much more you know difficult time so it almost seems like maybe those companies that don't they, they cannot afford to lose their reputation will jump onto that train much quicker just because they they have to uh, to survive you know somebody like porsche or ferrari they they maybe don't have to do that that quickly um just because they they have a certain kind of customer base that will buy from them no matter what yeah that's uh that's that's certainly something that that plays a, a certain kind of role into that but this is uh, this is not an unlimited time you know i think everything is limited over there and as we all know building a good reputation takes a very long time but destroying that or you know making it not worth as much anymore can can happen very quickly i think you, the brands that you mentioned obviously have you know, a lot of brand value because they know what they are. So those brands are strong. So you have, um, this is, you know, going to affect uh, mainstream brands quite a bit more, especially mainstream brands that aren't quite clear for their customer base and don't really have a, a clear vision, of, you know, to offer to the world. Uh, what's a value proposition for um, some brands to be picked over other brands? I mean, uh, you can only count on loyalists for so long, but uh, that's where I think design at, at the bare minimum should be stepping up to offer uh, a creative service to, you know, branding and communications and experience um, that that's at the, at the basic point, but you're right about, uh, you know, looking at the future with some of these um, other brands that can get by, they can afford to, um, you know, you know, keep making, what they're making because they own such a strong mind space in, in the consumer. But talking about all the other brands that are just offering um, mainstream products, um, you're going to have to think about what else is there. And designers should be doing that, um, helping the business side do that, actually. So I think a lot of designers have earned this um, seat at the table, but what you do with it is important here on out. Hmm. Do you have an example that impressed you the most over the past few years in that kind of direction where you said like they've done so many things right? I mean, we, this doesn't necessarily need to be within the, the, the car side of the world or of the, of the economy. This could be anything, but something that just inspired you to say they, they've done a lot right within their strategy. 
Well, I think one of the big things I definitely see is um, the the development of Android Automotive and how Polestar used them, used a partner with uh, basically Android to really realize, um, you know, the right type of partnership with uh, a tech company. So really, the automobile is not this is not a smart device. It is not the center of the world like we think it is. Um, it really is in the device that you have in your pocket. And companies like Polestar, like Canoe, they understand that and really saying, hey, you know what? We're not great with software. We're not a tech company. Why don't you develop the HMI and we'll integrate that into our into our vehicles? That totally makes sense because at the end of the day, um, how often do you get frustrated with the the user experience inside on this touchscreen and the vehicle that you're using? You don't really want to deal with that. You want the experience to be the same experience that you have on your phone. But, you know, automotive manufacturers, we don't necessarily get that. We want to do everything in-house. Um, so I think, you know, that was a, a brave step for uh, Polestar to, you know, really partner in the right way with the tech companies. And I think we should be smart about the partnerships that we're pursuing. Do you, do you think in, in a continuation of that, of course, I mean, we, there's multiple companies out there right now trying to deliver, del, you know, develop their own operating system. And I think if it's done well, it, it, it could be a massive, uh, a massive success, but the, the risk of failure also, you know, coming back to what we're discussing strategically, of course, when you, when you have something like that is, is quite dangerous. I, I would probably assume, I mean, um, you know, Kia or Hyundai developing their own operating system from a strategic point of view could be very, very tricky. Maybe, you know, it could work because they're such a bigger, a bigger group overall, because the, the, the car business is such a small part of what they do overall. But um, it, it almost seems to me that is, is it maybe sometimes, let's say, too pushy from the car industry to then really say, yeah, maybe, you know, we don't have to be great at everything. Maybe we, maybe we should focus on what we can do best. Yeah, that uh, that comes down to self awareness of the uh, top management and and what they're you know able to do. So a lot of times we think about the customer um, uh, is the factory and not necessarily uh, the human customer. Uh, you're trying to keep plants moving. You're trying to continue product lines. You're trying to you know you're just building things because you've always been doing something, but it's not going to necessarily get you different results. Um, so I think. Really looking at um, the future, it depends on what top management wants to wants to do with uh, their footprint. Oh, that made no sense at all. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I think that's a, a really nice way to to end the conversation. But uh, I know you're you're a listener of what we have done before in the podcast as well. So you will, of course, get the the three big questions as well. So I hope you're prepared. But first and foremost, uh, thank you very much, Ray. I think you've given us a very interesting uh, insight on everything that's in regards to design tech, uh, design strategy, technology, and how everything is is uh, coming together. And uh, you know, shown us shows showed us a little bit how you know the designer has to evolve as well um and for that a massive uh, massive thank you from my side but uh, let's let's jump onto the the three big questions towards the end question number 1 uh which project that you have not worked on you would absolutely adore to be part of i think i'd definitely like uh to be a part of you know the original uh Tesla Model S um, because of what it represents to the world. Um, the first real electrified vehicle, um, the first real EV uh, that was adopted mass market. And it was done in a, in a way that is just futuristic enough for the consumer to accept. So I think that product is really uh, a milestone um, in and what it stands for in this kind of transformation of um, automotive into electrification, into the future, and uh, really coming from a startup. I think that was a, a great um, project to uh, kind of bring relevance to this, establish this whole new brand. 
and now it's a uh, most um, valuable company in the world. it's it's well yeah that's obviously always debatable like you know what what value actually is of these companies and not just tesla but you know any kind of stock listed uh, company but that's a story for another day question number two which creative person so this doesn't necessarily be a designer it can be anybody uh that you have or have not worked with uh has inspired you the most in your career i would say definitely steve jobs i think he is he understood the vision of design and marketing and branding. So he understood everything about um, what we do as designers, but at a higher level. I think he's able to become a genius, not just in product, but in the overall experience and he understood how and what people wanted. Last but not least, and this is the car question. If I give you a blank check, which car would you buy? I've always liked a Volkswagen Microbus and what it stands for and, you know, the appeal that it had. Um, but I think right now the next version of that is really the canoe. I think that is the platform for the future and it has all those, um, same, um, benefits, but you don't have to own it. And I think that's where the future is headed. All right. Thank you very much, Ray. It's been a pleasure to have you. And uh, I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. And uh, yeah, so thank you very much from lovely Munich to California. And to all of our listeners, thank you, of course, as always, for listening of the first episode of the Gestalten Podcast in 2021. Let's hope it's going to be a less eventful in terms of pandemics and all these kind of things year than 2020 was. But as always, Please don't forget to rate us on whichever platform you listen to us. Give us five stars. If you listen to us on iTunes and stuff like that, it uh, pushes us up. Uh, if you leave a nice little comment, if you enjoy it, that would be lovely as well. And as always, don't forget to find us on social media, follow us on social media for all new content of what we're going to produce. And uh, yeah, thanks for listening. Thank you, Ray. And uh, you will hear back from me, Martin Groschwald, very soon again. Take care.